Welcome to another edition of the Streamcast. My name is Blackamora, but for this episode, I might as well be called Deku because I am joined by relatively all might. I'm going to cover one of my favorite people in the world. You know, the Streamcast, we do cover gaming, we cover niche topics, we cover the latest news in the industry, but we also like to uncover and talk about the stories of important Black people who are trying to change their lives or the lives of others. And no one fits this bill better than bodybuilder, PT, all-around nice guy, Larry Brown. <laughs> okay, Batman. <laughs> good morning, everybody. How you doing? How you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I got my... Uh obscenely obnoxious american uh huge batman cup i got from walgreens my wife got me this as a father's day gift a couple years ago so i have not let it go since i was going to use my thanos mug but it's from gamestop and they're the devil so <laughs> i want to promote them uh but yeah man i'm good i'm good I like that. I started off with a pew pew at GameSpot. Don't get me started on that company. Like, I feel bad that they're in the shitter because people do work there, right? Yeah. But their policies kind of suck. So instead of changing them and doing better for the customer and giving you better trading value, they just basically say, fuck you all. You're going to come here anyway. And I don't think they were expecting digital downloads to take off. Yeah. Like uh like uh they are right now. And you know, COVID definitely changed a lot of things. So now they're shitting the bed and they're wanting people to come back to them. It's like, okay, bro, we're just gonna give you five hundred for this for this Xbox or this PS5, and then we're pretty much going to leave you alone unless we need <laughs> so there's a couple of uh there's a couple of Black-owned uh, video game stores that I do frequent up here in Omaha. For people that, that are listening or don't know, I'm, I live in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm originally from Chicago. Um, so I, I frequent them if, if I want some old-school stuff. Like, I got a PS2 that's still in the box. So if it's still if it's still some of a cardboard box, not the original. I'm not that fancy. <laughs> uh, so if it's some old-school stuff I want, like... Um, some shit like Beautiful Joe or something like that. Mm. Um, I'll I'll get that, but um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't too much mess with Game GameStop anymore. That's fair enough. Um, but you are a bit of a gamer as well, so I'd like to go to the very beginning of your gaming life. What's the first game you ever remember playing? It was some traumatic shit. It was Friday the Thirteenth for the original Nintendo. My my dad thought it was good a good idea to get like. Uh, a 10 year old that game when not realizing I covered my eyes when that movie came on. <laughs> so I see Jason on the front and LJN made this uh, video game, which they were in toys. They were in video games. Like this is like right at the, right at the beginning of the Nintendo era. Right. So instead of getting me Mario, he gets me Friday the 13th, and I'm like, okay. I was expecting Donkey Kong or some shit like that, but that's cool. So I'm walking around playing that. 
Um, I suck at it. I never finish it. They made the game so impossibly fucking hard to finish. <laughs> so I never finished it. And I just now I go on YouTube and see the ending and I'm like, I was just going to fight for hours for this shit. No. Uh, <laughs> and then from there, various uh, shitty games I owned. Uh, because for some reason I have an affinity to pick up shitty games and don't realize they're shitty until I play them. <laughs> um, but the good ones that I've played, uh, Ninja Gaiden, of course, that we talked about before the show. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 is uh, the vanguard of platform gaming for me. Uh, Contra, of course. Uh, so much so I got the Contra collection for my Xbox. Uh, Castlevania. Got the Castlevania collection for my PS4. Um, other games include uh, God. Obviously, you play the basics, Donkey Kong, Zelda, all that. Um, there was one game though for the Nintendo for this for this defunct company. You know, I forgot the name of it. It was a Japanese company, um, and they made this role playing game called Little Ninja Brothers, um, and it was like the cheesiest game ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a role-playing game. I generally hate those type. I hate role-playing games. I can't fucking stand them. Um, so when people tell me they like Final Fantasy, I'm like, oh, get away from me. Um, but that that one I actually liked. I don't know why. I just I just I just liked it. So uh, that's about the only role-playing game uh, I've actually enjoyed. I've done Zelda just because I didn't realize the value of time and how much I was wasting it with that game. Um, but um, other games include R-Type. God, when I got to Super Nintendo, then it was just uh, just an explosion. I played everything. Um, Art of Fighting, World Heroes, Street Fighter. I'm a, I'm a huge fighting game nerd, sorry. Okay, um, no, that's cool. So a uh, big street fighter guy. Oh God, yes, that was my first game for the Super Nintendo. Right. A marked difference from Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> right? So keep in mind, I got Street Fighter Two when we were still at the peak peak Street Fighter phase in America, mm-hmm. right? Like um, Street Fighter Champions Edition hadn't even been thought of yet or it, it hadn't been released yet i played that forever i don't think i i had two games for about a year street fighter 2 and batman returns and i just played those like those were awesome it wasn't the it wasn't that i couldn't get games that i was i was fine with those two yeah right then a little something in the arcade came out um I was exposed to it in 1993. Obviously, it came out the year before. But there was a little something that I was exposed to early in Super Nintendo's lifespan. And it was called Mortal Kombat. So I saw Mortal Kombat on an eighth grade trip uh, to St. Louis on the way back to Chicago. And I had heard about it earlier that school year at this point it's June and I had heard about it in the fall. I had never seen it. All right. I had never seen it at all. So there's a mortal Kombat in this restaurant that we're in, uh, eating before we get back on the road to Chicago and everyone's crowding around. And I'm like, what the fuck is this game? 
So I go and I'm looking and I'm like, whoa, I never seen graphics like that or I I had never the closest thing I had seen to digitize graphics at that time was if you're 40 plus and listening to this, you'll appreciate it was Pit Fighter uh, and Pit Fighter. If you have not seen it before, I recommend you uh, I recommend you Google it. I don't know if you like the guy. Um, his name is Top Hat Gaming Man. I'm not sure. I'm not familiar. I mean, I'll okay. check it out. He he does deep dive documentaries into video games, right? Um, he's got a lengthy Street Fighter history, all the way from Street Fighter One, which sucked. I don't recommend you play it. Uh, <laughs> up until Street Fighter now. So Pit Fighter was the closest thing I had seen to Mortal Kombat. But once I saw Mortal Kombat, I was just like, the the world of possibilities for video games and content and violence uh that that really opened up my eyes to what video games could be and i don't know how big of a deal it was in the uk but over here when mortal kombat came out bro we had senate hearings about it <laughs> i'm dead serious i'm dead serious i know a lot of the crowd is young but when mortal kombat came out holy shit it was a it was a firestorm like we had Senate hearings on shit. Joe Biden, he he was the head of some video game. Stop the violence, fucking bullshit that <laughs> happened. I it bro, like when I tell you Mortal Kombat is the reason why we have the ESRB right now. Yeah, I knew that much. They they are the absolute reason. Like NWA was the reason you got 18 explicit lyrics on CDs and shit. Mortal Kombat changed the video game industry in such a profound way at that point in time like nobody was ready for that level of violence nobody right and i was i was just amazed that this little that this little video game um affected this type of uh change and i'm like if this is what the future holds for video games it's going to be a very interesting future uh, from a political standpoint, from an economic standpoint, from a, a, a content standpoint, like it's going to be bananas. And then shortly after that, you know, Mortal Kombat just like exploded, right? The movie came out, merchandising, uh, you know, the techno CD, all that. So, you know, that's you can't think of the 90s without thinking about Mortal Kombat. But if if anyone gets a chance, just just Google the government's response, the U.S. government's response to Mortal Kombat, and it is a lesson in hilarity and nonsense and just typical typical American responses to shit that they don't know. Yeah, I I know a little bit about the response to Mortal Kombat because I think. I was a bit young then. I didn't, you know, go through the Street uh, Street Fighter Two live or Mortal Kombat, um, but they covered it in a very nice documentary. I think it's called High Score. It was mm -hmm. on Netflix, and they covered basically how <laughs> parents couldn't believe what Mortal Kombat was, and all of these theories and all of these conversations were being had about, um, you know, these games going to uh, brainwash these kids to go and fight their friends and do this to their friends and stuff like that, and. It, I feel when um, the the buying population 
don't understand our product i feel that's the discourse because we had it with movies as well and um we had it with uh D D when that was you know coming up into popularity people used to just blame everything that they were doing on the devil and you know there's so many really weird monstrous uh, monstrous acts that were being blamed at this this pastime uh which were nonsensical and mortal combat uh i can understand the concern but i think um there was a there was a very very uh almost vicious lack of understanding by the populace there um same with the internet and social media just complete lack of understanding just birthed all of these weird thoughts that don't make sense and have aged poorly thankfully absolutely poorly and it's so funny you bring up dungeons and dragons so i'm in the middle of stranger things four right and uh there's a D there's a not to give out too many spoilers, but there's a Dungeons and Dragons club inside of the inside of the series called the Hellfire Club. And they actually touch on how, you know, Newsweek actually covered Dungeons and Dragons and said it could lead to murder, satanic acts, not realizing that Dungeons and Dragons was a full on cartoon that they showed on Saturday mornings here on CBS. <laughs> So, like, yeah, society has a very weird way of reacting to things. Um, and I guess you can blame that on various upbringings and whatnot. But also, at the same time, people need to understand that there's going to be some shit that comes out that's going to shock you. And your initial response is what producers of that thing are counting on. They want you to start talking. You think Mortal Kombat would have gotten by if they had if they didn't have fatalities, if they didn't have like having blood in the game is one thing, but the act actual ability to take a digitized life was just something that was just insanely not yeah. conceivable at the time. Like, I mean, for God's sakes, I love Lucy was still in syndication at that time. <laughs> <laughs> right so that tells you the world we were living in right you know so i don't know man <laughs> um so you clearly have played quite a few games um mm -hmm. which is actually really good for this pod i'd like you to maybe if you could tell me your favorite game or like a top three or a top five because i know some people can't just pick one game so what are the best games you've ever played so if i had to sit down and and play a game. Um, I'm going to give you my top five because top three is incredibly difficult. And these are in no particular order. Um, <clears throat> Street Fighter Alpha 2 is one of the games that I will sit down and play for hours. Um, if it was updated, Ridge Racer for the original PlayStation was excellent. Um, I could play that for a long time. It's probably why I speed through the streets now. Um, <laughs> the uh, Ninja Gaiden for the original, not the original Ninja Gaiden, but the, the remake that came out in 08, 09 for PlayStation 2. I could play that for hours. That's a good game. What's another one? Obviously, um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the 2010-11 remake of Mortal Kombat 
I feel that's a parentally underrated game. It introduced Mortal Kombat back to the populace, but also at the same time, it reinvigorated the franchise and got back to its roots because DC versus MK was bad. Bad. Um, I yeah, I didn't play that one, but I heard oh about God, it. You've done yeah. this a tremendous favor. It was so bad. Yeah, it just th- thematically it just doesn't work just because of what you know DC WB stand for. Um, the complete anti you know violence, whereas Mortal Kombat essentially was this USP. You, you needed you know the dismemberment of certain fighters, so th- those worlds just didn't mesh conceptually. That game was supposed to be Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter. Capcom backed out at the last minute. Wow. That was supposed to be Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter. But they, Capcom, for whatever reason, they're Capcom. And they backed <laughs> out. So so Midway, at the time before they became NetherRealm, needed somebody to hey we've got this versus game idea and dc was like yeah we'll do it and they did it and it was terrible um because i think and keep in mind when they did it we're still we're still talking about marvel versus capcom too right yeah um and dc needed an in back into video games uh i feel So that was their end, and they never did another one. Thank God, I don't even think it's available for download. Um, but yeah, but the good thing about that is that a lot of stuff that you see in Injustice, they tried out in Mortal Kombat versus DC. Yeah. Um. So that Mortal Kombat 2008, uh, 2008, I think my years may be messed up. Uh, that is a game that I will play. Um, repeatedly, I've just dived back into Contra, not Super Contra, but uh, um, what is it? Uh, the Contra for the Super Nintendo. Um, that is a that is a perennially underrated game. If anybody has the ability to get that, I get it. That is definitely in my top five. And then the last one, it would have to be. The God of War for PlayStation Three. Ooh, okay. okay. That that was a game that had me enthralled from start to finish. Um, even more so than Resident Evil Two. Um, Resident e- Resident Evil Two had me right. Um, you know, from start to finish, especially in 1998, especially in 1998. Um. But when that when God of War came out for the PlayStation, just from start to finish, man, yeah. <laughs> I was in community college, right? At the time, before going to uh real college or uni, what you guys call it over there. Yeah. Um and I stalked that game for months. Paid a hundred and some odd dollars for the special edition, which wasn't really shit. I lost most of it. Um, <laughs> but man, I tell you, when when I say that is a beautifully crafted game, like that's why I'm trying so hard to get a PS5 because I know they're gonna like I know that the developers gonna do like they did Gotham Knights and just drop it right. So yeah. they're gonna force you to level up your system. 
which is a shitty thing to do, but you know, capitalism. Um, <laughs> so that's why I want to get a PS5 uh, because I know Ragnarok is just going to be crazy. And that's why I have the God of War for PS4, but I haven't played it because I just want to sit down and just be able to savor it and just just really like, you know, with games, we're forced to. That's why I hate the Call of Duty so much. They just take a big ass mug and they pour it down your throat and they're like, yeah, I'm going right and play. And I'm like, no, with games that are well crafted. You don't want to go online and play. You want to just, it's like a good cup of coffee. You just want to sit down. You want to sip it. You want to take in the effect. Like it's like the Batman Arkham Asylum. Oh God, I'm so, I'm so crazy. I forgot that game. That's definitely a top two <laughs> game, but you want to just go in and like, just drink from that, from that exquisite detail, the production, the storyline the Riddler side missions, if you have the sanity to be able to do that shit. <laughs> uh, like, though, that's what you want to do when you have a well-crafted video game. And that's why I'm not, you know, a fan of like a Fortnite or a Call of Duty because they just force you to go online and you're like, bro, like, appreciate the game. Like, fuck playing with other people. Like, I came from... <laughs> I came from generation where you had to physically come over to somebody's house ask they mama could they play and if they room wasn't clean you weren't getting shit like i don't care to play with other people i just like make me a good storyline produce the game in a way that will make me spend money to buy that game front load the game stop all this stupid dlc emptying people's fucking pockets and get back to like real deal gaming, give me everything in the game. Like I'll pay eighty dollars for a game. I won't tell my wife, but I'll pay eighty dollars <laughs> as long as you front load the game. Give me everything, and I will tell you, hey, this company is good for any. You can make uh, Sonic the Hedgehog eats doo doo. I will tell you to buy this game <laughs> if you make me a good game and front load it. But yeah, like those are my those are my top five. Those are very solid picks, and I do like how you pulled from different genres from different times. There are games that I do recognize, the games that you know I haven't played. Um, I will say, play God of War PS4. If you oh. enjoy that PS3 game, you will love the PS4 one even more. I, I I need to get back into it because so I work weekends, right? Mm. So I try not to fill my my weekends with video games, right? Because I sure. want to have my family, I want to do stuff. So I don't play video games on the weekend. Tuesdays are my off days, right? So I, I try to get in a little bit, but I, I haven't played it in a minute. But I'm going to restart from the beginning. I know I'm on like the first level of some shit, but I, I definitely will play it. Um, because like I said, games like that, when there's a lot of attention to detail put into it, the graphics-wise, storyline-wise, control wise and the game doesn't suck talking to you cyberpunk uh <laughs> the game doesn't suck it, it it just throw me in just that throw me in let me lose my day i i i won't make content about it i would just let <laughs> me lose the day playing this game yeah yeah essentially it is 
from what you've described, it is the game that you want because mm-hmm. there's no DLC for it. And that caused a lot of debate. A lot of people were like, I want DLC, I want more. But I was in the camp of, no, this is the game. You play it, you you pay your money, you play it, and then that's it. If you want more, go play the game again. But it, it, from yeah. beginning to end, it was just, it was like a story. It was like a movie. And like every level, you had to take in everything that it was giving you, and which is why it was, you know, great for single player. It was great for offline. And yeah, for me, I didn't, you know, I didn't do any content and I don't know how I'm going to deal with Ragnarok now because I'm very much into the content creation thing. And the thing that made me love God of War so much is I lost myself in that, in that game where, you know, I, I just played it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I just played it. I found time. I played it. And um, certain games like that, if you take a break, you kind of have to learn how to, you know, do all the timings and the yeah. inputs again, and you kind of mm-hmm. take yourself out of it. I, I implore you to give PS4 God of War a try. I think you'll really like it. I, I got it. I got it. I just got to get it moving and grooving again. Oh, God, I forgot Gears of War. Oh, my God. I just, <laughs> it's so many games. There's so many good ones. There's yeah. so many good ones. And, and And it's so funny you bring up DLC. I hate that shit. <laughs> I hate it so much when the people that say I want DLC no stop being a cheap motherfucker and ask these companies and tell these developers that you'll pay more for a quality game they're already $60 what you're gonna fin- you're just gonna spend 20 more dollars on a fucking value meal from McDonald's and <laughs> some fucking groceries like, like I said I will pay $80 for a game I will pay $80 for a game I don't want no DLC. I don't. Gears of War is sitting under my TV right now. I'm looking at it and it's saying, play me. (laughs) I finished it months ago. I'm about to pull it out. I downloaded Gears of War 1 to my Xbox. I haven't played Gears of War 1. That fucking game's a cheat, by the way. They make those games specifically hard. Harder. I don't remember Gears of War 1 being that hard on 360. (laughs) I really don't. They did the same thing to Mortal Kombat 2, but I'm going to digress on that. Um, like, you don't need extra content. Like, what do you need extra content for? Like, you're just watering it down at this point. We don't ask for extra scenes for the fucking Avengers, do we? No. Some people do. <laughs> <laughs> they want them director's cuts. <laughs> Like, I get the director's cuts because I want interviews. Like, when I get movies like those, I don't notice those type of scenes, right? Mm. So, because I I get lost in the movie. I get lost in the mythos of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I get lost in DC's uh, movie making. I can't even call it a cinematic universe because some of it's just fucking terrible. Uh, But... Like when when a quality product is made, and this is what I implore to you: when you get Ragnarok, don't stream the shit. Just talk about it. Don't film it. Nothing. Enjoy it for you, because not not everything has to be for content creation, right? Like, yeah, Gary V will tell you, and I love Gary V. Yeah, strike while the iron's hot, bro. And people posting this shit, and I'm like, man, look, I'm going home in August, right? It is a gym there that I that I trained at for years, about 10 years, called Quaz Gym, world famous. Um, if you get a chance, my YouTube channel has a tour of it from back in 2009 or 10. 
and it's expanded since then. So check it out if you can. Um, but when I go home in August, that's going to be a very personal time for me. I'm not filming no YouTube videos from Quads Gym. You'll get some Instagram clips and that's it. But that's for me. Like me sitting, me being at home for the first time in four years, me doing that process of training at a gym that I, I essentially grew up in uh, in my adult life, that that that's for me. That doesn't have to be for everybody. So all these content people, all these streamers, all these Twitch, like leave some games for you. Like, yeah, I get it. You may be behind a bit, but also at the same time, not everything has to be broadcast, right? Mm. You know, if you want to broadcast a small clip here or there, then that, that's fine. That's on you. But like hours long playing, man, like when when they re-release Marvel versus Capcom 2 and I'm looking at you all digital clips. I'm looking at you all. I hope I hope Blackamora tags your ass. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Disney. I'm looking at you, Capcom. Release this fucking game because y'all on some bullshit not releasing this fucking game. And you know everybody's asking for this shit. <laughs> uh, but I digress. When it re gets re-released, you'll see a tweet. You'll see an IG post. You will not see me stream that game. When Cowabunga Collection comes out for the first month, month and a half, you will not see me uh, do an IG live or any of that while I'm playing because those games are personal to me. I'm a huge Ninja Turtle fan. Huge Ninja Turtle fan. So when those games get released, especially Shredder's Revenge, that that's 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 me. That's my childhood. So that's something personal to me that I don't feel the need uh, like, yeah, it's mass available to people, but everything means something different to different people. And that's a very personal thing for me. So I won't be like really going on IG with it or anything like that, because sometimes I'll play a game and do it on IG live. But like with games like that, that I really care about or I really want to be involved in, I'm I'm not streaming it at all. Like, yeah, I'm I'm part of the content creation machine, but man. There's just some shit that don't need to be broadcast. And if it if it's a video game that don't need to be broadcast initially, shit, you can do a redux. You can you mm. can you can say, hey, this is what I liked about the game, this is what I didn't like about the game. And not everything needs an instant fucking reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. <clears throat> I'm so ready for Shredder's Revenge though. I <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> well, when they release the fucking release date. <laughs> I don't know when it's coming out. I'm just I'm, no, I'm just no, watching. No does. Yeah, I'm just no watching the Wikipedia page every day. I, 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 I've been going on YouTube and I'm just typing in Shredder's Revenge, and it looks like, looks like. Don't quote me on it. From what I've been seeing, this week. That's what I'm thinking. After Memorial Day, because I know people are out of fucking town, right? Mm. So it's going to be after Memorial Day. Um. <clears throat> So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I like how they got the original voice actors to do it for the Turtles. I don't know if they got it for April O'Neil. And I know, I, I think some people are bitching that they didn't, uh, they didn't get the original voice actor for the Shredder. Um, that's what I've heard. Uh, anybody with half a brain would know that Uncle Phil is dead. 
Yeah. Are you, you you know you know that Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince was the voice for Shredder, right? I didn't know that, but I do know. You didn't know that. Oh no, God, I'm about to hip you up on some game. Yes, <laughs> he was the original voice actor for Shredder. Uncle Phil, James Avery wow. from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, who who has been dead for years, was the original Shredder. Hey, that's an amazing fact. I did not know that. I'm gonna give you another one. You know the grandfather from the Cosby Show. Yes, he was Panthro. Huh, okay. <laughs> oh, there you go. Your mind's been you've been mind blown. Hey, every day is a day. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, they couldn't get they couldn't get the original voice actor for the shredder because he's been dead for years. Yeah. That yeah. It, it's quite difficult. I know Kanye was able to get Otis to feature on the track, but you know that that's different gravy. Yeah, that, that's a little <laughs> different. A little different. Like yeah. yeah. You know, but so, but I'm excited. Like, I, I just, and I, I know I sound like a crotchety old man right now. I really do. But I want people to start, I want people to stop asking for downloadable games. I want people to kind of rebel against this Call of Duty style of gaming. Like, appreciate the shit, you know? And I don't know if you're gonna put this on your YouTube page. I'm expecting a ton of negative comments, but that's just where I'm coming <laughs> from. Like, I just I don't like those games that just force you to go online like right at the outset. Like, I get everyone has internet, and it's damn is is basically a necessity. But also at the same time, like, I don't want to have to be forced to play. And we know that online gaming is toxic to people that are. Uh, people of color, uh, black people specifically, and we know that it's toxic to women. So why are we forcing people to go online that don't necessarily want to go on fucking line? That's a very good question, especially when you know these companies have the resources to ensure that proper protection is in place, and they don't, you know, invest in that. Uh, it's very questionable when they churn out games on an annual basis. It's very um, sus. Digital communities are very hard to police because there's a level of anonymity that you can still have online. Like, yeah, it will take a minute to find out who you are and block you and all that. But like we we've been we've been shown there's ways to avoid it. You know, people don't want to be held, don't want to have repercussions for the stuff that they say um, in a negative light. But like those communities are hard to police and i'm not if i if i have never met you i am not playing with you <laughs> and i used yeah. to not understand that i'm like wow like people that don't know me don't want to play with well, like now i totally understand it like no i don't i don't know if you're gonna call me a or not and the minute that you do like I'm not going to flip off, but also at the same time, I'm going to fuck your host host room up. Mm. You know, I'm logging out, like I'm canceling that match. Mm. And it's, it's a very hostile environment towards something that's supposed to be relaxing. Like I said, especially for people of color and for women. And it shouldn't be that way. I mean, we're playing, we're playing digitized characters on a, a game. Yeah. So why, game. why are we hostile to each other? Right. Leave that. Leave that for the Madden crowd. 
I hate <laughs> I hate anybody too. Like I can't fucking like I'm a fan of American football. Like don't get me wrong. Um but I I just I hate Madden and fantasy football. I really do. <laughs> I don't know enough about fantasy football, but I do know it's huge, especially in the States. Like we have fantasy Premier League here, but it's it's not nearly as big. It's 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 crazy here. Uh I I I'm all I'm always gonna be an advocate for um American style of football. And like I said, I know your 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 crowd is UK. I get it. But like once you once you kind of learn it and understand that a lot of these guys are coming from very impoverished socioeconomic backgrounds. Um the NFL is is kind of a shitstorm right now. Uh college football is kind of a shitstorm. But the reason why I don't like fantasy football and the reason why I don't like Madden is because it kind of dehumanizes the people that are involved in the sport. Right. Like this is these are still somebody's fathers. These are still somebody's, you know, little babies that they see. Yeah. So I, I I don't I don't participate in those sports games because it just dehumanizes the player. We're in an already violent sport into into yeah. we've been dehumanized <laughs> to anyway. So I, I draw my line at just watching the sport. Uh, sure. I already cuss out players. That's bad enough because I'll never be good enough to to, to play a game like that. Mm-hmm. But I just I just don't play sports video games like at all. I just I despise them. Can't stand them. But yes, I will always be an advocate for American football. So anybody that's watching, uh, you should support the Nebraska Cornhuskers and you should support the Chicago Bears. <laughs> Fair enough. I've heard of the Bears. <laughs> you, you know what? I tell everybody, like, I've I've given soccer a chance. I can't do it. I cannot do it. Like, it's I I don't know what to tell you. I I'm get that. guys. I'm yeah. from Chicago, Illinois. I, I I need shit to move fast. I'm borderline <laughs> on baseball, right? Like my favorite team is the White Sox. They played the Cubs yesterday. I didn't look at the game because I know it was a low scoring game. But, like, I tell everybody, at least give it a chance. Like I said, I couldn't get into soccer. Gave it a chance. Couldn't get into it. But I ask everybody that has not been exposed to American football, research it first. Find out what a first down is. Find out what a second down is. You know, understand those basic concepts. And it doesn't take long. But then start to kind of follow the sport. Because if you just dive head first in Mm – you're not you're not gonna understand it, but once you kind of understand the rules, you'll get it. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with um, what was around when you were growing up as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do get why, for someone who has been you know raised watching American sport, watching something like football, um, is kind of not alienated, but it's just different. It's it's a completely different type of sport. So I do get mm-hmm. why that cannot be appealing and vice versa. Um, so I've tried to get into basketball and I've tried to get into American football and it's not really clicked for me. Basketball would probably be, um, it'll probably click for you sooner than, than football will. But here's the thing, again, getting back to well-produced stories for video games, right? Mm. If you pick a franchise 
that has a well-storied history, that has a big history. Like the Bears were one of the original teams of the National Football League. Right. They have a huge history, right? Um, we have an intense rivalry with the Green Bay Packers. We hate Packer fans. We hate the Packers fundamentally as an organization, as people, as something that just exists. We hate them, right? So there's you have to pick a a a, a team that has a a, a a history, a history that you can vibe with. Not everyone's gonna pick their team. Now there's gonna be people that pick their team off of colors, right? That's that's right. that's great. That's great. Cool, no problem. Um, but when you pick that team, when you say, okay, I'm gonna support this team, then that's when you dive into the history of stuff. Yeah. So you say a lot about sport there, and there's a lot you know that you could think about. Obviously, I I just love the concept of sport and competition, and mm-hmm. you know whether it's football, whether it's American football, basketball, baseball, tennis. Um, there's obviously a lot of time, dedication, hard work that goes into it. Yeah. And yeah, my yeah. sources tell me that you are a bodybuilder as well. So tell me how you got into yeah. bodybuilding, and you know how that's going for you now, and if you've got any upcoming competitions. So I got into bodybuilding um, in 1990, 91, and it was it was a couple of different things that got me into it. Uh, the first thing that got me lifting weights was Rocky Four, right? That exploited the Cold War, which go America, Russia's bad propaganda that you end up believing and it actually ends up being true. Um, but that got me lifting because I was like, Ivan Drago was beating the shit out of these dudes and he's big and he's swole, which I thought was swole at the time. Um, so from Rocky four, then we get into another ditty called the American gladiators. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that or seen it. I've not seen it, but I think I've heard of it. Oh God. Go into the rabbit hole of YouTube. It's so (laughs) wonderful. Um, so American Gladiators happens, and I'm just blown the fuck away. I'm like, how are these dudes this big, moving like that? They slamming people to the ground. Their arms got to be at least 40 inches. So then from there to <clears throat> something that you'll appreciate. So a lot of people don't realize that back in the 90s, Vince McMahon had a bodybuilding federation. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> yes. Yes, the WBF. And once I saw the WBF, it was over. I was like, and that in the top 10 black bodybuilders in Ebony Magazine, um, which is a huge publication here in the States uh, for black people. So I saw that. I saw Lee Haney and it was over. I said, okay, I need to get a weight set. I don't know how I'm going to get a weight set. Y'all got to give me a weight set. Like something like these push-ups, I need to start curling. I need some arms. I need to start overhead pressing. Look, the girls are out here. They want muscles. I can't play no <laughs> basketball, but I want to be big as fuck. So, what are we gonna do? So that's 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 what started my journey into bodybuilding. Just seeing those guys. Uh, you know, obviously the reasons for me myself being in the sport obviously morphs over time, um, but the main part is that. You know, I train more so now as a stress relief and a way of life 
rather than full on, I need to win. I tell people, I'm a shitty competitor. I don't like <laughs> dieting. Um, you know, if you've seen any of my pictures on Instagram, you know I'm kind of fat. Not not super fat, not like obese fat, but like very dad bodish, right? <laughs> very, very much a muscular like dad bod. I, like, wow, he's Jack, but he's holding a little bit around his waist. So I'm that type of guy. Um, so there's nothing going on now as far as uh as far as um competitions go, but like I said, I'm getting my body into a spot or working to get my body into a spot that's going to help me get into competition shape. So the competition is in March. I'm not going to divulge what it is right now um, because everything is still tentative. You know, two kids, right. they tend to take your money. But once I get into this good spot, um, I'll let I'll let everybody know. But it's a, it's a good show. Um, it's a show that's been around for a couple of different for a couple of years now. Uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited at the possibility of doing it. Um, so the only way that I know how to prep is just to dive right in. So I'm just going to dive right into this to this eight week cut. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll drop a, a really good amount of fat, take a break, do a little another mini drop and then just go into maintenance into show prep. And then once show prep happens, then that's where. Uh, everything kind of turns up, but uh, man, bodybuilding. I, I it's so funny. It's so funny with bodybuilding. Bodybuilding is funny because it, it's one of those things. It's almost like a. It's almost like a legal drug, right? It's taken from me far more than it's given back. Right. I feel yeah. sometimes. Mm. Um, strained relationships. Relationship strain, mm. financial strain, um, but whether people want to talk about the drug issue, these a lot of these bodybuilders dying, like regardless of all of that, there's still a certain amount of respect and the presence you command in a room simply by being a certain size still resonates loudly with me. And I have this obsession with getting past 20 inches on my arms, right? I'm only at like 18. So I'm trying to break that 20 inch barrier. And yeah, I, I have this conflict in my mind. Like you're approaching middle age, Larry, you're about to be 43 this year. Maybe this pursuit of size is not what you should be going for. But then on the other hand, it's like I can push food. I'm not on drugs, so I should be able to like really, really, as long as the food is clean and I just remain active, I can get past 20 inches. I can do it in a healthy manner and keep going. Now, when I throw the competition mix in there, there are certain things that have to happen and certain things that have to be there in order for me to be competitive. That is what it is. That is, that is, uh, what is the uh what what was that book that Wanda had in uh Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness? The dark hole. <laughs> yes. Competitive bodybuilding is very much a big ass dark hole book. Right. So that is what it is. But recreational bodybuilding, which is something that I'm doing right now with the competitive mindset, 
long as I push food, as long as I stay active, I can get to my goals. I can recomp my body and not have to strain those relationships or break the bank. So that's where I'm at with it right now. So, of course, bodybuilding takes a lot of your time. How much time do you say or do you think that you need to be competition ready? Um, I'm always of the of the thought process of uh, more time is better than less time, right? So it would definitely be a 20-week prep. Um, and the real hard, nitty-gritty stuff doesn't happen until like 12 weeks out, right? So from 20 weeks to 16 weeks, you're really just getting into that mindset, getting your body into that point of, okay, you got prep going, you know, let's keep, let's, let's keep, let's keep the gas on. Now I know some people that have responded well to a 30 week prep. I'd probably jump off of a building at that point. <laughs> um, so I think about 20 weeks is, is, is something that I think every competitor should probably look into unless they have a fast metabolism. Um, and that, that really depends upon your body and how everything responds and all that. But for me, I think about 20, 20 weeks will do uh, 16 at the very least. Definitely right. nothing 12 weeks. Definitely nothing below that. I've tried it. It doesn't work. I get too fat in off season. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I definitely need that time to to get into the proper shape that I think I can accomplish in a 20 week frame of time. Fair. So you also do PTing as well. How do you balance the two? So I don't do anything in person. I don't okay. do anything in person. Um, my my main thing is that I do stuff online. So I've compiled, I've written PDFs, PDF programs that were inspired by a, a gentleman who's no longer with us by the name of John Meadows. Uh, a lot of great content on YouTube with his channel. Um, that's still That's still upkeep today, I believe. Um, but I started writing programs and it's not when I write these programs is what worked, what worked in my twenties won't work in my thirties. What worked in my thirties won't necessarily won't work in my forties. But what I do is I take bits and pieces from all of those decades and I tweak it and put it together. Right. Sure. So I have three programs out right now that I mainly sell to people, that I tell, that I sell pe to people. One is a combo program, the hyper, the tenacity strength hypertrophy program and Pitbull. Um, so hyper the hypertrophy program is a good all around program, right? Something to get people in the gym. It's incredibly intense. It's very hard. And again, it's one of those work long before you know how to work hard, right? right. Pitbull is, uh, I tell people Pitbull is just a bitch. I was really, I I I was looking at. I really don't know what the fuck I was on when I wrote that. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. I'm like, God damn, what the fuck? Because I? I was doing those style of workouts, right? And I'm like, what the fuck was I doing when I wrote that? I definitely did not have kids. I did not have kids when I wrote that, or one was yeah. on the way, or something like. When I wrote that, I, uh, I was, I, I, I must have been smoking meth in my sleep. That <laughs> shit is nuts. 
Uh, but, but a lot of people have gotten good results from it and gotten stronger off of it. So I, yeah. I mean, the results speak for themselves, don't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, Shogun is an eight week program, which is something a little bit different. Usually my programs run about 16 weeks. Um, but Shogun is a little bit different in that it's not weekly changes. It's similar to my hypertrophy program, which is how I program individual people now. Um, I do it in four week blocks. In each block, you have a main anchor movement that you'll stay with for about the entire eight to 12 weeks. And you have work around it that will either rotate or vary a little bit. But for four weeks, you're going to do the same workouts. You're going to change the load each workout. Um, I mainly leave that up to you, but I explain all that. And then the second four weeks, stuff changes, right? So it's either the rep change or the load change or something along that nature. But the weekly stuff I don't do anymore because it just became a huge strain on me. It was hard to keep up with. Um, so the four weeks are, are a little bit more manageable. It's a little, it's a little more difficult to do, uh, but I'm in the process of writing one, um, which is called Hammerhead. And that's probably going to be my last one that I actually write in PDF form for a while right. because I'm trying out some different things, but, uh, but Hammerhead is going to be, is going to be real good. Um, so that's going to be coming out here probably about a month and a half. I got a couple of testers out there. Um, one of my testers for Hammerhead, he was able to press 285 on the incline, and he wants to get to 315. So uh, I was, or maybe it was 295. I don't remember. Um, but he sent me a picture of it, and I'm just like, okay, uh, you know, add another 500 calories to your diet because he's using, he's eating 6,000 calories a day right now. And I'm like, add another 500 and see what that does. Um, you know, you go on these 500. <laughs> calorie increases for about four to six weeks, you let that weight settle. And then you just try to, you know, you just try to push it. And now he, he got that 295 for reps and uh, it's all due, not even to my individual programming, it's to the PDFs. The individual programs are something that I craft from the ground up. And um, <clears throat> those take a little bit more time to do and they cost more, um, but they have that personal touch, right? And I don't get into deep dive questionnaires. It's like, what's your weight? What are you trying to accomplish? What can you do? What can't you do? And then once I give you the initial program, the first four weeks, then we get into a little bit of a deeper questionnaire. How is the weight moving? Send me some videos. Let's talk on WhatsApp a bit. Are you are you moving this weight efficiently? Are you connecting with the muscle? Are you short repping these movements? Are you doing half reps? So it's things of that nature that I look out for. Um, but yeah, mainly it's online. I don't do anything in person because this is not my main career field. I work in the broadcast television industry. I'm a newscast producer for NBC affiliate here in Omaha. And nice. Yeah, that's what I do for a living. Um, but I do uh, tenacity strength is actually is a passion project. I tell people um, I'm always on a thirst for knowledge. and I'm always trying to learn more. So I'll. And I also think that coaching should be affordable and seeing that it's not my main career field. Uh, I'd like to take in a certain amount of income from it, but if I don't, I understand it. Um, I get it, but I'm also trying to learn more from my own training because I want to be jacked until I'm 60. I want to be jacked until I'm 70. And if I can find ways to do that, then, Hey, great. 
I'll pay $3,000 for a weekend certification if I had $3,000, but I pay for memberships to websites and I learn and, you know, whatever I learn, I implement and I try to put my own twist on it and give it to people at a, at a, at a relatively reduced rate. So, you know, it's just something I'm passionate about. It's something I like doing. You know, if people want to sign up, that's great. But if they don't, hey, I understand. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm kind of a dick when it comes to programming because I expect people to do a lot. But I figure right. if you're eating the calories and getting a rest, you should be able to do what I'm asking you to do. That's very fair. I like that. I like that mentality. Um, I can speak to tenacity. That is a very good program. I'm enjoying it. I'm not enjoying all of the exercises, but I do them. <laughs> um, and I haven't got around to Pitbull because I want to finish uh, Tenacity first. But um, they're very solid programs. So I I'm, I'm telling you, Pit, Pitbull will put muscle on you. But you got to <laughs> eat, you got to rest, and you have to be a dog about progressing. Like you have to be. You have to be nuts. My fraternity is uh, Omega Psi Five Fraternity Incorporated. They got a, actually a British chapter over there. Um, and you have to be like a bulldog to be in this fraternity, right? And I try to translate that same mentality to the people that pick up my programs. Like you, 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 you got to be a dog about trying to get these results. You like, you can either be a snack or. You can either look like a snack or you can eat snacks. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you have to make that choice. I like that. Uh, <laughs> so do you have any uh, words of aspiration or inspiration for anyone who would like to get into bodybuilding or just like general gym stuff? You know, especially during the pandemic, there have been a lot of people who are, like, who are maybe unsatisfied with, you know, their appearance or their fitness levels, and they'd like to change that, but they're a bit afraid of the gym. They've heard the horror stories and all of the, you know, gear talk. What would you say to anyone who would like to get into the gym or bodylifting, uh, bodybuilding? Um, the first thing that you have to do is understand the reason why you're going to the gym, right? So you expressed unhappiness. Well, what is that unhappiness from? Is that unhappiness because your mate is telling you you need to go to the gym? Is that unhappiness because your mother is telling you you're fat? Is that unhappiness from the societal standards that you feel that you're put under, right? I tell people when they come into the gym, it's fuck everyone, I'm here for me, right? Um. So once we understand what the root reason is for going to the gym, then we can go from there. So if you're unhappy with your appearance, okay, what can we do to get you to a place where you're at least semi-comfortable with your appearance? Sem We're not saying 100% because there's always room for improvement, but semi-comfortable. When you get to a point where you're semi-comfortable, okay, then that's when I can start communicating to you that if you want to be all the way comfortable, is going to require some pain. I don't know how to progress people without having a little bit of pain involved. So that's what that's what I communicate to people. But anybody that wants to just go in the gym, the gym is for everybody. It's for everybody. Um, you know, and 
a lot of the divisions that are in the world, right? They stop at the gym door. They stop at the gym door. Um, there are people I talk to in the gym that I disagree politically with on a multitude of levels. Mm-hmm. It stops once we get into the gym floor. It literally stops. Because when we're in there, we're all trying to be, we're all striving for the same thing. Um, <clears throat> a better version uh, of ourselves. Um, and, you know, I have to shout out uh, one of the gyms that I train at here in Omaha, Iron Heaven. You know, um, I've worked for that company that owns that gym uh, for a couple of years. Um, and we go back to community and gaming. Well, community and weightlifting is a very big thing. Um, you have to find where your tribe is at and you have to thrive within that. I don't have to talk to you every day, but if I see you every day and acknowledge you, you're part of that tribe, whether you yes. whether you want to, uh, whether you want to accept it or not, you're part of it, right? So whether that be, I mean, hell, if you're not into bodybuilding, like as much as I dog it, CrossFit is okay. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, I want people moving. I don't want people to be obese. I don't want people to die from heart yep. disease. Yep. I don't want people to die from heart attacks. I don't want people to like turn to the side and immediately their attitude changes because they say, well, I'm too big. You know, I started because I was 130 pounds in high school. I didn't want to be picked on anymore. Or I started because I didn't want to be picked on anymore. I got into high school at 125 pounds. I left at 150. Um, You know, I'm running about 245 right now. So you, you you have to do it for you. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Once you in there, work hard. Like, don't restrict, don't restrict yourself from having high-quality food, right? Because food is your friend. That's the first thing people do. They restrict themselves from food. But food is your friend. Everything that you do, Every decision you make, well, I'm going to smoke this cigarette. I'm going to have this drink. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Know that that puts you in a hole recovery-wise in these gym sessions that you covet now a lot, that you're trying to improve at, that you've taken your hard-earned money, put down in front of somebody and say, okay, I'm using your facility to make me better. Now you're digging a hole into that because the outside life affects the gym life. It's not the gym life affecting the outside life unless you're a competitive bodybuilder. Um, so people need to realize that every decision that they do outside the gym affects them. Um, you know, I recently converted to Islam in the last couple of years. So I'm Muslim. Don't drink. I never smoked. So I was a drinker before. Wasn't a heavy drinker, but the fact that I would have after work a Jack and Coke from my fridge mm. posed a problem, right? And it wasn't no Larry's alcoholic problem. It's just, hey, every time you take a sip of dark liquor, which doesn't metabolize well in the body, mm. what do you think happens to the gym session? Right, right. You can't recover. Goes to shitter. You have mm. trouble sleeping. You have trouble going to the bathroom. 
So people, when if, if I had any words of inspiration to somebody that wants to get into the gym, the gym is for everybody. But once you get there, fuck everybody and do you. <laughs> I do like that. And I agree. I agree. The gym is for everybody. Um, and essentially you get out what you put in. So, you know, you do those half reps, you know, the range of motion, you cheat yourself out of it. I, it will show. So will show. Um, just be, like my, my, my mentality is just be a bastard in the gym. And by that, I don't mean go to everyone like you got sets of blah, 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 you know, get brushing people off their benches and stuff or lying about how many sets you got left. But when it comes to your own work, make sure that you're putting everything into it and work till failure safely yeah you know yeah um yeah i also like the name of your gym eye in heaven i do like that i like to call the gym the iron church because um it just feels right you know as you said you get people from all sorts of backgrounds and communities coming together and mm -hmm. you, you know you hear the machines going clanging and banging you know um it, there's something really not spiritual but like just um like you can just shut off the outside world when you're in the gym you know and you just leave all your outside problems. I, I do like that. I covered a bodybuilding show a few years ago. Um, and I I was talking with Kai Green. Um, and at this point, Kai Green was like one of the biggest things walking. He had just won the Arnold. Like he was hot. H-O, like hot with a capital H. <laughs> and... I was talking with him, and I, this Kai is off season at this point. He had just done the Arnold. It's May. The Arnold was in March. You know, he's resting, and you know, I'm doing these photos, and I'm talking to him, and he's like, he's got his hoodie up, and you know, he's talking in his metaphysical language, and but he was when he was talking to me, it was like, yeah, when you're in the gym and you're training. I don't train with no headphones, bro, because I need to hear those weight weight plates crack rattle. And when I'm going up and down and I'm hearing the weights go, cluck, 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 like his eyes widened up. And I'm like, this motherfucker's about to hit me. And I'm like, <laughs> fast. But like that's that's the type of uh mentality, that's the type of love that it takes to just not not just progress in the gym but in life as well right you got to have a certain you got to have a certain intensity um you know you got to have a certain a certain love for it. you got to be you got to be a bastard about it like you said um <clears throat> so i think people need to be a little bit more in, in, in intense when they go in but also at the same time like not be a complete and total dick yeah um so it's a balance and you know we as people have have issues with that type of balance we do we're still working on it <laughs> we're, we're still working on it we're still working on it. i want to thank you so much larry for coming onto the pod um please feel free to shout out all of your platforms all of your programs and um yeah one more time for people who don't know who you are what you do for the people out there um, so basically what I do is that I am just a mope that posts on social media and, uh, sometimes I post good stuff. Sometimes I post bad stuff and sometimes I post stuff that I sell. 
Um, so if you want to follow me on my Instagram, it's at Tenacity Strength. Uh, that's all one word. Um, on Twitter, it's Tenacity Strong. Um, so just substitute the strength instead of strong. Uh, just follow me there. I talk about everything. I put up my kids sometimes. I put up my wife sometimes, but I kind of keep that offline. Um, but yeah, I mainly talk bodybuilding. Um, I talk some pop culture. I talk professional wrestling, current events, video games. Um, you know, I'm still pissed about Gotham Knights, but that's all. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God, I'm so pissed about that. I'm so pissed about that. Um, but yeah, I talk about everything. Um, if anybody is interested in getting, uh, if their workouts have become stale or they just want something different to try, um, I hate the word challenge, but if they wanted a different type of challenge, a different type of workout, I do sell PDF programs. Uh, the way that you obtain those is uh, DMing me on either Instagram or Twitter, and um, I accept digital payments through Venmo, Zelle, Apple Pay, all that, all that good stuff. Um, and I email them straight to your inbox. So when you when you direct message me for a program or you direct message me about individual programming, uh, which is available and I have slots available, it's just a little bit pricier. So I kind of make it affordable for everybody with the PDFs. Um, you're dealing with me directly. I don't have a team. I produce my own YouTube content, just search for Tenacity Strength or Larry Brown on YouTube. Um, you know, I one man band everything, you know. Um, so, yeah, if you guys want to follow me, uh, take a look at my social media or just send me a DM that says, hey, you're an asshole, but I like to buy the program. I'd appreciate that, too, because have you seen the price of gas these days? <laughs> You calling me an asshole and then paying me $60 for value that I provide to you is immeasurable because I go to the gym five days a fucking week. Fantastic. And, and, and also, uh, you guys need to follow my man Streamcast if you don't. Probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met online. Uh, a complete gentleman, a gamer to the core. Uh, and I believe that we need to have a space to support black gamers black podcasters um and even if you're not black if you're an ally uh uh help support us because there are still spaces that we're x'd out of um there are no black supplement company owners outside of james harrison who was a retired pro football player for the pittsburgh steelers there are no black supplement company owners herbalife doesn't fucking count all right it doesn't count um, but the, we are not involved in a lot. Uh, you know, we get X'd out of tech a lot, which is why a yeah. lot of black people are going towards fan base rather than staying on Instagram or TikTok. Right. I'm trying to get in the fan base. I haven't really mastered the shit yet. I haven't mastered Instagram. I only got like less than 4,000 followers. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but we're, we're X'd out a lot of stuff. Um, so support guys like Streamcast, uh, and that goes a long way. A, a share goes a long way. A like goes a long way. Uh, a comment, good or bad, not a dick move, but an actual <laughs> comment goes a long way because that's the way. Criticism is the way you get the we get the product better as creators, right? So when we get that good criticism, 
we take it to heart and we try to incorporate that change. Um, so uh, shout out to you for asking me on and shout out for just putting yourself out there as a black creator, because, again, we we don't have a lot of the real estate that a lot of other people that don't look like us have. So, uh, you know, just keep working, um, get some of these other guys on. Like we talked about you trying to get another guy on uh, before the show and fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, uh, good on you. And thank you for bringing me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the kind words. I really do appreciate it. Um, and yeah, that's that is all we are trying to do. We're just trying to carve out a safe space for black gamers worldwide. Um, it it does seem like things are going in the right direction, but I feel we are still behind where we should be. So we are just one of the powers trying to make things you know better for everyone. If you are watching this on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up. That helps us out in the big fight against the algorithm. Um, if you are listening to this podcast, let us know where from. We we, we are going to be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Sounder, Deezer, Podchaser, so many different platforms. Wherever you like to listen and consume your pods, we'll probably be there. Just search Streamcast and you will be entertained. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Streamcast underscore. Um, follow us on Twitch, Streamcast TV. <laughs> There's so, there's so many things that we do. Uh, I think that's everything. Follow us on our website as well, thestreamcast.co.uk, so you don't miss out on future events and our quarterly blogs. We talk about the games that we're most looking forward to each season. But until the next podcast, please take care of yourselves and your loved ones. Stay safe, and we'll catch you on the next Streamcast. I'll have a good one. <laughs>